podcast family, and welcome to episode number 272 of the L3 Leadership Podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow to your maximum potential and to maximize the impact of your leadership. My name is Doug Smith, and I am your host, and today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Baritone Advisors. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad you're here. I hope that you enjoy our content and that you'll become a subscriber. And if you've been with us for a while, thank you for listening. And uh, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a rating and review. That helps us grow our audience and reach more leaders. So thank you in advance for that. So in today's episode, you'll hear part two of my two-part lesson entitled The Top Lessons That I Learned in 2020. Again, this is one of my favorite episodes that I record every single year. Um, I always record it right when I'm done with my year-end review, and I extract the top lessons learned from the year that I just lived, and then I share them here with you. As I mentioned, this is part two, so if you missed part one, you can go back and listen to that in episode number 270 of the L3 Leadership Podcast, and a ton of great content there, and I think you're going to enjoy today's lesson as well. But before before we get into that, just a few announcements. This episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Baritung Advisors. The financial advisors at Baritung Advisors help educate and empower clients to make informed financial decisions. You can find out how Baritung Advisors can help you develop a customized financial plan for your financial future at baritungadvisors.com. That's B-E-R-A-T-U-N-G advisors.com. Securities and investment products and services offered through Waddell and Reed Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Baritung Advisors, Waddell and Reed, and L3 Leadership are separate entities. Well, hey, leader, if you are looking to 10x your growth this year, I really want to challenge you to either launch or join an L3 Leadership Mastermind Group. Mastermind groups have been the greatest source of growth in my life over the last five years, and I truly do believe that every leader needs to be in one. If you're unfamiliar with what a mastermind group is, they're simply groups of leaders, usually six to 12, that meet together for at least one year in order to help each other grow to their maximum potential, achieve their goals, and to do life together. If you're interested in learning more, go to l3leadership.org forward slash masterminds. And with all that being said, let's dive right into the lesson. Here's part two of the top lessons that I learned in 2020. Enjoy. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to part two of the top lessons that I learned in 2020. I do want to encourage you to go back and listen to part one. However, you don't need to have listened to part one to have any context for what I'll be sharing today. I think both episodes will add value to your life. And so let's dive right into this lesson. And my wife actually gave me some feedback uh, after the last episode. She said, why don't you share with people context of what you're learning these lessons, you know, tell people about yourself. And so at the time of this recording, it's February 2021. I'm 35 years old. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. Laura, and we have three children, uh, one of which is our brand new baby boy, Caleb. He's just over a month old. And then I have an almost five-year-old, Olivia, and an almost three-year-old, Sophia, and they are all awesome. But that's the context in which I lead at home. Uh, vocationally, I am currently the Director of Development at Light of Life Rescue Mission, which is a nonprofit here in our city that serves the homeless. And I've been on staff there for 10 years, which is crazy. And I've been in my current role as Director for almost three years. And so uh, I learned a ton about leadership through that experience. And then I'm also the CEO and founder of L3 Leadership. And we, you guys should know everything that we do here at L3. So that's a little bit about me in the context in which I'm living right now. And so let's share some lessons that I learned in 2020. And the first category I want to talk to you about is self-awareness. I want to share with you some lessons I learned about self-awareness. And here's what I know. As leaders, we need to continually, all the time, be growing in self-awareness. It's an absolute must. And I feel like for me, in 2020, I grew more in self-awareness probably than I have in any other year. And um, one of the reasons for that is because I was doing some work with a friend and a coach, uh, Eric Guy who does some work with us with Predictive Index. And he had me spend a lot of time reflecting on what roles do I want in my life and priorities. 
And what I came up with was I want to be a husband, a father, a friend, and then a leader in that order. I want to be known as a husband, a father, a friend, and then a leader. And that sounds very, very cliche and very simple, but that actually came from a lot of reflection on who I want to be with my life. And as I reflected, one reason this is so important to me is because prior to doing that exercise, the way I was living my life was I want to be a leader, and then I want to be a husband, and then I want to be a father, and then I want to be a friend. And so I valued being a leader over being a husband, father, and a friend. And this is huge. And I realized through that that I valued action and results over people. (laughs) That's not good. Again, I learned that I value action and results over people. And and what I'm absolutely determined to do moving forward is to put people first no matter what. People must come first. And so I must be a great husband first. I must be a great father and friend long before I'm a great leader. So that was a great exercise. If you haven't spent time defining the rules that you want to live your life by, I really encourage you to do that. And the second lesson that I learned under the category of self-awareness also came out of my time with Eric. And it was just growing in confidence and growing in self-awareness and the fact that I am a leader. And I know that may sound really funny to you because I have a leadership podcast and I spend time with leaders all the time and I'm in a leadership role. But as a young leader, and especially when I was a lot younger, I always questioned the fact of, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? Am I a leader? Do people see me as a leader? And I spent so much time fueling those insecurities. And in my coaching time, Eric just said this to me. He said, Doug, wherever you go, you'll be leading. It's who you are. Even if you went to another organization, you'd get promoted just like you did at Light of Life. The question isn't will you or can you lead. The question you need to start asking yourself is what do I want to lead? That question was so powerful. He said, Doug, the question isn't will you or can you lead. Stop asking that. And if you're a leader that's insecure and you wonder if you have a takes, stop asking that. The question is, what do you want to lead and what do you want to give your life away to? And that was a game-changing question for me and uh, and helped me grow so much in self-awareness. And so I, and again, I'm certainly, I wouldn't say I'm 100% confident, but I'm more confident today than I've ever been in my leadership. And so what do I need to do as a leader and with my personal makeup? For me, because again, we all have strengths and weaknesses as leaders, self-awareness. I realized that, that with my leadership gifts, I need to build incredible teams around me of people who make up for my weaknesses because I have plenty of them. I need to get administrative help. As much as I try to be good administratively, I am just horrible. I need to keep people away from me. I say yes to way too many things. And so I need to learn to say no as often as possible so I can focus on the things that bring the greatest return to my time. And so those are the lessons that I learned about self-awareness in 2020. And I just want to challenge you leaders. What are you going to do this year to grow in self-awareness? Maybe you need to invest in a coach who can help you grow and develop. Maybe you need to ask a mentor for feedback. Maybe you need to do a 360-degree review with your team. I don't know what you need to do. Maybe you need to take another assessment. But whatever you need to do, always be growing in self-awareness. Always. The next lesson I'll share with you is that personal branding is overrated. Personal branding is overrated. And we live in a world where personal brand is everything. And we're constantly being bombarded with thoughts that you have to grow your brand. You have to be on every network. You have to post 100 times a day. You have to grow your followers. You have to become official. All these things. And we can go crazy trying to grow our personal brand. And so here's some things that have challenged me in this area of personal branding that have been so helpful. One was um, I had a, a mentor being mentored by John Maxwell. And he was talking about his ambitions and everything he was doing in the leadership space. And he was talking about building a personal brand. And John looked at him, he said, son, I won't say his name, but he said, son, if God wants to make you a name, let him do that. 
that was so good. If God wants to make you a name, let him do that. And I've just determined in my life, you know, not that I don't post and not that I don't try to build a brand, but I'm not going to focus on all the numbers. I'm just going to focus on adding value to people. And if God wants to make me a name, he'll do that. It's not in my court. It's in his court. That was so good. And the next few thoughts on this idea that personal branding is overrated also came from my time with John Maxwell last February. And I actually, was, I shared with him the story that, that my mentor had shared with me. And he, he laughed and he, I said, tell me about personal branding. He said, if you want to humor me, show me immaturity and all of these people who just want to build a brand. He said, if you want to build a brand, here's what you need to know. Just get good. Just get good. Because he said, if you're not good... No brand will help. And I thought that was so good. No brand will help. And he went on to say, he said, Doug, being number one has never been on my bucket list. However, focusing on being the best that I can be has always been on my bucket list. That is so good. He said, Doug, being number one has never been on my bucket list, but focusing on being the best that I can be has always been on my bucket list. And the reality is, leaders, if you want to build a brand, just do the best you can. Be the Focus on being the best that you can be and your brand will take care of itself. And something else that John said right along those lines that I thought was so encouraging, he said, listen, if if you want to get out of the pile, if you really want to build a brand, you have to be unforgettable. Be unforgettable. And he said, "Look, look at my life. He said, how did I get here? I became unforgettable. And he said, every single day of your life, think, what can I do today to become unforgettable in the lives of others? And if you do that, your brand will take care of itself. And lastly, the last thought on this idea that personal branding is overrated is from Gary Vaynerchuk, and he posted this, and I thought it was so good. And he said, you're all so worried about getting more followers that you're not taking care of the followers you have. Boom. You're all so worried about getting more followers that you're not taking care of the followers you have. Personal branding is overrated. Just do the best you can, serve the audience you have, and your personal brand will take care of itself. The next category that I want to talk to you about is racial reconciliation racial reconciliation. And obviously, this was a huge subject in 2020. And um, I just want to share some thoughts of what I'm learning in this area. Uh, One is Kerry Newhoff said this, and I thought it was so good. He said, leaders, we need to listen like we've never listened before. And I just thought that was so good. And every leader needs to hear that over and over again. Leaders, we need to listen like we've never listened before. So when it comes to racial reconciliation, I've spent the whole year and I am continuing to spend time listening. I am spending time learning I am spending time growing, and I am spending time adapting. And some of the resources that have helped me uh, that I've read this year is one, The Third Option by Miles McPherson, a phenomenal book on this subject. Again, that's The Third Option by Miles McPherson. Another one is Oneness Embraced by Dr. Tony Evans, phenomenal book. And then lastly, uh, Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison, all phenomenal books. And I just want to encourage you to resource yourself and, and gain knowledge and listen like you've never listened before, leaders. And so in listening, here's just some thoughts that have really stood out to me. Um, One, I love what John Maxwell told me about diversity. He said, Doug, without diversity, we're not complete. You need different perspectives. My executive director, who's a mentor in my life at Light of Life, he said, Doug, I'm impoverished if I don't have people not like me around me. And so I've been really challenged over the last year, both personally and professionally, to look over every area of my life and everything that I do and just ask myself, am I surrounded by a bunch of people who are just like me or am I surrounded with diversity? Am I surrounded with people not like me and people like me? Because again, if if I am not surrounded with people not like me, I am impoverishing myself. 
because without diversity, we're not complete. And leaders, I would say that's true of every single one of us. And so, listen, the only way that we're going to surround ourselves with people not like us is intentionality. Intentionality and priority. We must prioritize this, leaders. And here's what I know. We have to get out of our own culture and get into the cultures of others. And what do leaders do? Leaders go first. And so I want to really challenge you as I've challenged myself. What are you doing intentionally to surround yourself with people not like you, to surround yourself with diversity? It's absolutely a beautiful thing. And and if we're going to be complete as leaders, we need to surround ourselves with people not like us. So what are you doing intentionally to do that? The next category I want to talk to you about is values. If you live here in America, you know that 2020 was an absolutely crazy year. And I think it's best summarized by what John Maxwell said when he said, as a nation, we've lost our way because we've lost our values. We've lost our way because we've lost our values. And one of our core values here at L3 Leadership is character development. And we believe that character development is the most important development. We must, as leaders, be committed to character development and becoming people of value that can help change the world. Because here's what I know. This is one of my favorite quotes ever about values and, and changing the world. Tony Evans said this. He said, if you want a better world composed of better nations, inhabited by better states, filled with better counties, made up of better cities, compromised of better neighborhoods, illuminated by better churches, populated by better families, then you'll have to start by becoming a better person. And so how do, we, how do we turn around as a nation? How do we turn around individually? It has to start with us leaders. It has to start with us. We have to become people of good values. We have to become leaders that constantly are developing their character and not just the character, our character, but the character of those that we have influence over. If you reverse that quote that Tony shared, I love thinking about this. Let's, let's listen to it in reverse. If you'll start becoming a better person, then we'll, have, uh, we'll populate our world with better families and better churches and better neighborhoods and then better cities and then better counties and then better states and then better nations and then a better world. The world changing the world all starts with changing ourselves. So leader, what are you doing on a daily basis to develop your character? And for me, it's all about, as a believer, I believe that starts with getting in the Word of God and becoming the men and women that God called us to be in Scripture. And here's his call to us as leaders, and I believe this is his call to us as a nation uh, to turn things around. It's in Second Chronicles 7.14. He said, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and here it is, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a promise from God. The answer to turning things around is we must pray. We must humble ourselves before God. We must turn from our wicked ways. And I I love how it says our wicked ways. Because listen, we can all point the finger to a hundred other people that we think are making the world a worse place. But the reality is we don't have control over other people. But you know who we do have control over? We have control over ourselves. And we have control over those we influence. We can help influence the world to be better. And so, leader, I just want to encourage you. If you want to turn around our nation, if you want to turn around our world, start with you. Humble yourself before God. Pray. Turn from your wicked way. And God said he'll hear from us and will forgive our sin and heal our land. We've lost our way because we've lost our values. Let's get our values back so we can get back on track and change the world in which we live. The next category I want to talk to you about is what I learned spiritually in 2020. And so here we go. Just a few lessons here. Number one is discipleship is what I'll remember most about my life. Discipleship is what I'll remember most about my life. And I have a section in my year-end review that says tough questions that I got asked or that I should ask myself. 
And one of those questions that really hit me hard was how many people could I say in my life that I've impacted enough to be my spiritual son or daughter? How many people could I say that I've impacted enough to be my spiritual son or daughter? And here's what I know. Out of everything else we do in our lives, nothing will compare with that, the answer to that question, if you've done it. And so I've been really challenged to, um, to just go deeper with people and really look around and say, who am I discipling? Who am I investing in? And that actually uh, encouraged me and challenged me to start a new mastermind group for emerging leaders. And from now on, I always want to have a group of young men that I'm intentionally pouring into at least every two weeks. And so um, leader, who are you impacting right now that could one day be a spiritual son or daughter in your life? It's a great question to ask. The second lesson I learned spiritually was just to simply let God define you. Again, this is something that I'm always learning. But Bob Goff had a quote here that I just couldn't record this lesson and not share with you. He said this. He said, we'll know we're growing when we let God replace who we thought we'd be with who he thought we'd be. <laughs> we'll know we're growing when we let God replace who we thought we'd be with who he thought we'd be. And that's so good. Have you ever found that God has bigger dreams for your life than you do? And God knows there's more in you than you think there is. And, uh, and I just love that. So stop trying to define yourself. Stop letting other people define you and simply let God define you. You'll always find that what God has planned for you and who God made you to be will always be infinitely better than what you have planned for you or other people. So let God define you. The third lesson that God taught me spiritually in 2020 was that he will be with me in the valley of the shadow of death. Many of you know that 2020 was a very difficult season for me, one of the darkest seasons of my life. And yet, through it all, I can absolutely promise you that I know that God was with me, holding my hand and walking me through it. And so here's some thoughts about walking through tough times that God taught me. Number one, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, life is with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. God never promised us a life without difficulties, but he did say that he would give us a peace that surpasses understanding. And that is a promise that we have in Christ. So wonderful. The next thought came from a, a devotion I did called Mission 119. It was really, really good. And a pastor, I, th I believe this was when we were going through the book of Job, he shared some reasons that we go through adversity and suffering in our life. And I thought these were so good. He gave six reasons. Number one is sin. Number two is God allowing God's allowing Satan to test us. Number three is it's equipping us for ministry to others who are suffering. Number four, it's, it's training in righteousness. Number five, it's the best way to teach us what we would not learn otherwise. And number six, it's often God's tool to transition us to new and better things. And I love that. Um, so, man, those just really helped me when I was going through a dark season and just asking, why am I going through this? Sam Chan said this. He said, in my life, before any next level in my life, before God increased my influence, I almost always had to go through a tough time. And it was that view of God's history in my life that's given me comfort in painful seasons. And I'm sure everyone I'm listening, everyone that's listening to this, I'm sure you've gone through many difficult seasons in your life. And I have found what Sam said to be true in my life as well. And so uh, that enabled me to help push through this saying, hey, once I get through this, there's another side and it's going to be a next level with God. There will be more influence, more impact, and, uh, and I'll be further able to, to advance the kingdom of God because I'm going through this. And the last thought that I'll share with you that helped me in this difficult season was T.D. Jake said this. He said, when you're born, you're like a key with no cuts in it. And as you go through life, each wound, failure, and hurt cuts into that strip of metal. And one day there is a clear click. Your pain has transformed into the key that slips into the lock and opens your future. And I just love that. So if you're going through a difficult time, just allow God to mold you into who he wants to mold you to in that difficult time because he's preparing you for the next step in your future. God will be with you in the valley of the shadow of death. I absolutely promise you that. The next lesson I learned spiritually was to be interruptible. Be interruptible because it is the best way to love people. 
Bruce Larson said this. He said, it's possible that the most important thing God has for me on any given day is not even on my calendar. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, am I interruptible? And I just got done telling many of you how I went through a difficult time in 2020. And here's what I learned in 2020. There was many, many people who loved me very much, who were great friends, who were interruptible for me in the time when I needed the most. And, and while they were willing to be interrupted and love me so well, I realized that I wasn't always interruptible for them. And that broke my heart. And I, and I had to repent. I had neglected deep friendships. I wasn't a great friend. I wasn't always interruptible for people because I was too focused on achieving stuff. And so I've just made a commitment in my life spiritually that I'm going to be interruptible. And I know I won't always do it perfectly. I know I won't be interruptible sometimes, but I'm going to do my best because I want to love people well and I want to do for others what was done for me because I realized the power of interruptible love. And it was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. So if we're going to be greatly used by God, we have to be interruptible. And that's going to be one of the biggest things I try to implement in 2021. And the last lesson that I learned spiritually in 2020 was that in God, we have it all. In God, we have it all. One of the sections in my year interview is, is simply things that God spoke to me. And I don't mean he spoke to me in an audible voice, but oftentimes when I'm spending time with him every morning, I'll just get quiet and I'll ask him to speak to me. And it's almost as if he takes up the pen in my hand and just starts writing. And here's something he spoke to me one morning that I thought would bless you that I'd share with you. He said, Doug, pay attention and notice the desires within you. The desires you have to do it all, to make sure that others know that you did it all, your desire to have it all and your desire to be it all. Those are all the desires you should have for seeking me, advancing my kingdom, and making an eternal difference. In me, in God, in Christ, you can do it all. And in parentheses, what I've called you to do. In me, others will notice me in your life and admire me in you. In me, you do have it all. In me, you are it all. <laughs> Rest in that, Doug. Seek me, obey me, love me, and steward what I put in you. In God, we have it all. And I think so often in my journey, and I know probably in your journey too, we try to earn what God has freely given to us instead of just simply obeying him and doing what he's called us to do. And I'll close this section with just a quote that John Maxwell shared with me. He said, Doug, he said, obedience to God is only understood on the back end. There's nothing to figure out. There's nothing to figure out. He said, just obey God. Just take the next step. Stop trying to, fi stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to know where you're going to be in five years. Stop trying to... There's nothing to figure out. Just obey what he's called you to do because in God, we have it all. The last category I want to talk to you about is parenting. I learned a lot about parenting in 2020. And here's just a few thoughts that I hope help you if you're a parent. Number one is we only get one shot at this. I was sitting in an airport and I had my kids with me. I had my journal out and uh, I was watching an older couple that was just sitting together. And I wrote this in my journal as I was reflecting on that experience. And I wrote, someday, Olivia, Sophia, and Caleb won't be kids anymore or even in our home. Someday, Laura and I are going to be grandparents. Someday, we'll be old. Someday, my father-in-law and my dad will be gone. Someday, I'll either live with the regret of not going after my dreams or the regret of playing it safe. Someday, I'll be the leader that needs to hand things off. And one day, I'll stand before God and give an account for how I handled all of those things. And guys, the reality is we only get one shot at being parents. And I think the, the more often we can remind ourselves of that, the better. And when it comes to family, I love what Wayne Cordero said. He said, fight for your family. If you miss building the home base, you will have nowhere to go when your ministry days are over. Or you could say your leadership days are over. Guys, fight for your family. Don't miss building your home base. You only get one shot at this. Let's make it count. Let's make it count. 
And the last thing I want to share about family isn't a lesson, but it's a ministry I want to refer you to that we got referred to that changed our view and changed the way that we led our family forever. And that ministry is called Family Teams, and it's led by a man named Jeremy Pryor. And I interviewed him a few episodes back. And if you're a parent, I can't encourage you enough to go back and listen to that. It's absolutely phenomenal. But the Family Teams ministry has literally changed our family's life forever. And Jeremy wrote a book called Family Revision. And the premise of the book and the ministry is basically in Western culture, most families are taught to raise their kids individually to be independent and go out on their own and crush it. And that's what happens. But he said, if you look in the Bible, that is not what a biblical family looks like. Biblical families are multi-generational family teams on mission. And they realize that, yes, everyone's an individual, but everything each individual does is to contribute and strengthen the family team. And so there's this whole concept just of building your family team. And again, don't have time to go into all the lessons. That may be a whole nother episode I do. But I really want to encourage you to start looking at your family as a family team. We've started calling ourselves Team Smith. And everything we do is to strengthen our family team. We have weekly family team meetings now, a weekly Sabbath we implemented. And it's encouraged us to have more kids. You know, Laura and I were pretty much always sold on three kids, but I think we're actually going to try to go for four just simply because we realize how much of a blessing kids are. And the larger our family team is, the bigger impact that we can make throughout generations. I love what Psalm 127, three through five said. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And children are to young men like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. And I just want to encourage you, uh, connect with family teams. They're a phenomenal ministry and resource for your family. That alone is worth the price of listening to this entire lesson. So check them out. And that's going to wrap up the top lessons that I learned in 2020 part two. I hope that some of these lessons added value to your life. And I hope that you found at least one or two things that you could start to implement to transform your life and your leadership today. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next episode. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to part two of the top lessons that I learned in 2020. I hope you enjoyed it and that it helped you to grow. And again, if you missed out on part one, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that in episode number 270. And if you missed a quote or want to check out our show notes, everything that I talked about, uh, the highlights are in our show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash 272. As always, if this episode helped you, it would mean the world to me if you would share this on social media or send it to another leader that it could add value to. Again, our mission here is to add value to leaders every day. And so when you help us do that by sharing this podcast, it means the world to me. So thank you so much for that. As always, I like to end every episode with a quote, and I will quote Gerald Brooks today. I love this. He said, don't invest more in a problem than it's worth. People tend to take a $5 problem and pay $10 for them. Never make a problem bigger than it is. That is, Those are some wise words from Gerald Brooks. Well, hey, again, hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back with you next time and go make a difference. See ya.